box, office, refund, box office refund podcast. Hello and welcome to box office refund podcast. I'm Nico Bell. And I'm Ward. And we review low rated movies. And decide if the critics were wrong. Okay. Ward, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you doing? I am really good because from last episode, everyone now knows that I have HBO and I've been watching a lot of HBO stuff. So I'm excited to talk about things on the B episode today. What? HBO originals or just movies on HBO? Like how much HBO con, you know, HBO, they mainly do series. They do some movies, but their series are just fantastic. Have you delved yeah. deep into any of those series? I wouldn't say I've delved deep into them. But I have found some things that were pretty entertaining. Well, if you need recommendations, I've seen a lot of HBO stuff because I absolutely love HBO. It is the best content provider, period. Come at me, Netflix. Come at me. Wow. If anybody from HBO wants to sponsor this website, (laughs) please do. I'm on it. Yeah, come on, HBO. Okay. Why don't you tell us what you've been watching this week? Well, being that... March 31st was the 20th anniversary of The Matrix. I watched The Matrix. I thought, you wow. know, I don't like The Matrix Reloaded, but I'm going to watch Matrix Reloaded. I will not watch Matrix Revolutions because I remember that's bad. But The Matrix Reloaded tricked me into watching it. A little upset about that. Also watched Vice, If Beale Street Could Talk, The Highwaymen, and Valkyrie with Tom Cruise as a German soldier. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. I watched True Detective Season 3, which I know you've talked about before, but I'm just really proud of myself for watching the whole season. I watched Veep. It's their final season. I watched the two episodes. I watched OA Season 2, which is on Netflix. I watched the movie Uncle Drew on HBO. Uncle Drew, really? Yep, sure did. I watched uh, Season 2, Episodes 1 and 2 of Barry, which is a series on HBO. Um, And that is it. Wow, some some interesting things there. All right, what what do you want to start with? I'm going to jump into the Matrix. I'm just going to do all three at a time because they all sort of run together in a way. The first Matrix came out in 1999, 20 years old. It is just such an awesome movie from the melding of sci-fi and action to the aesthetics to the concept, a simple concept that you can find fault in it. I don't care. It's a cool concept. Numerous iconic scenes, the dojo, the lobby, the rooftop rescue, the subway fight, this whole thing of what's real, real is just a perception. Maybe we are actually in the Matrix and everything we see is uh, this simulation. I love it. You know, it makes us question our own perceptions. Real is just a feeling. It's just a chemical reaction in your brain. Man, who has not seen this movie? It's awesome. And it's just, the movie follows rule of cool by love that, oh, all these characters wear sunglasses even inside? It's because it's the Matrix, man. Like this, none of it matters. It is smart, great action, very engaging. The Matrix ranks as one of my top favorite movies. You should watch it. Even if you've seen it recently, watch it again. So then I thought, I'm going to watch The Matrix Reloaded. I know it's not as good as The Matrix. Uh, pretty much, it's it's like a demo for, look at our awesome CGI and action set pieces. You can tell the budget was bigger and they had more leeway. I mean, the budget was more than double the first Matrix. It doesn't help, but even the great, the best action sequences from Reloaded are indulgent. They're too long. Like, you could just tell they had no restrictions, and it didn't help. The story, is there a story in the second one? I don't know. They crammed some exposition in between action sequences. Didn't love it. And it just, you can tell, you start to tell the story's getting a bit unwieldy. They don't know 
how to connect all the dots. It's like, well, I don't know what to do here. Let's just throw in another character to make it more complicated. I think eventually it'll get so complicated, people just won't understand it and won't care anymore. Q, Matrix Revolutions. Easily the worst Matrix film. I mean, the only reason to watch this is, oh, I've watched the other two, and The Matrix 2 tricked me and said at the very end to be continued, so I feel like I have to watch this for some kind of resolution, even though you, I mean, I guess you get resolution. Who cares? I don't like it. And it's not that, like, what happens is out and out bad, but I just don't love the execution of it. And I'm starting in the second movie. For every bit of information they give us, two or three questions pop up. How does this work? What is this? Why is this? I mean, like, we can't, nobody can approach Machine City. Well, where are the battery towers all the people located? How can the Nebuchadnezzar and all these ships approach the battery towers so easily to retrieve Neo and these other people? How is it that every single one looks like Neo? Like, that seems genetically impossible. None of these questions are answered. I don't know. Um, I look at it like this. The Matrix exists alone. It's a wonderful, beautiful movie. Reloaded was a demo proof of concept of, with all this money, look at the action sequences we could do. Maybe one day we'll put a movie around these action set pieces. And then Revolutions was, oh yeah, we have this idea. It's underdeveloped. Here it is. Who cares? And that's the Matrix trilogy. Yeah, I agree. I loved the first one, and then I was angry at the second one, and because it ended with a to-be-continued, I felt gypped. I felt like I had to watch the third. I distinctly remember those emotions that you just went through. Because yeah. <laughs> the, the first major, I've seen a bunch of times. I've seen Reloaded yeah. maybe once or twice. Revolution's only seen once. But I watched all three. I just I got sucked in, and I will probably never watch anything past the first Matrix again. But that movie, okay. I could watch that today. That movie is just awesome i know it really is good the next generation like i hope that they love it as much as we loved it because we were you know teenagers when it came out and it was awesome so well you know some of the concepts are just kind of timeless i mean sci-fi yeah, has sure. done human batteries tons of times yeah and this this movie does a great job like throwing all the stuff out there and like realizing we can't explain it because we're gonna dig ourselves a hole then the sequel's like i think we can't explain it we're so cocky we can do it and they can't all right, I want to just say a few things about True Detective, just season three, because I know you had watched it, and I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a chance. I want to say, first of all, I actually got through it, which is a plus, because I did not get through season two. I think I only got through three episodes, and I stopped. And this one was better, for sure, than season two. It kind of tipped its hat back to the original, but I think that season one was just so good. There's just really no way. Like, I kind of feel like they just need to stop and walk away from this series. They just can't redo what they did the first time. This one was fine. It was fine, I would say. But you just, it was brilliant. The first season was, you just can't, can't touch it. So I agree with everything you had said on one of our other B episodes with True Detective. Yeah, I mean, season one is almost an anomaly where everything came together so, because some of the writing in season two is very indulgent kind of over the top like season one but um matthew mcconaughey can pull it off uh yeah what is that guy's name what do you what no no in the second season oh vince vaughn vince vaughn like he like vince vaughn did a great job in this but he just he can't do it like matthew mcconaughey and it just the faults of the first season are amplified in season two yeah that was a shame um but yeah so i i was excited to get to watch it First thing I watched when I got my HBO subscription wow, was True Detective season. I'm not eight. sure I'd brag about that. I probably will feel shame about that later. 
But I'm going to go on just because I just wanted to like quick thing about that one. All right. I want to talk about OA. Have you seen OA on Netflix? I saw OA the first season and I thought some of the, like the artistic choices they made were really neat. The end of the first season, the end of the first season is why I have not watched the second season. It kind of just left the, it, it just left me not interested. Oh my goodness. I, first of all, I love this show. I mean, because think... in the first season, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't the power of dance save the day? Okay. I'm no, right on that, right? That's how it no, happens, right? Stop. Nope. Nope. Roll it back. No. If it wasn't dance, was it dance. yoga? Okay. What? It's not a dance. It's a sequence of angelic <laughs> movements <laughs> that were passed down from a mystical uh. angel creator to five angels on Earth in order to uh. open up parallel universes. And see, you've explained you. better than I ever could why I've not watched the second season. That sums it up. I love this show so much. So and how the is second- the second season? Like, I saw it, I've thought about it, but then I, I just think back to the end of the first season, and I think, I think we've peaked. No. Okay, I will say, I do think season two has peaked. I think if they go on anymore, it's going to be like an orphan black situation where everything gets convoluted. They're trying to do too many ideas. The characters get washed out and it's not going to hold the appeal anymore. I feel like let it go. Like they've done what they wanted to do. They had a lot of mystery in season two, but there was also so many plot holes. And I let it go because I love so much about this like you said artistically stylistically it's like a beautiful show to watch and i love the concept of parallel universes and this sort of idea that of a soulmate that you can find in every universe but if they if they do one more season i feel like that's it like they've they just they've tapped out they have to stop but i would recommend season two i think it's brilliant writing is what i would say it's a very fun brilliant show does the and power yes, of dance there's more come dancing into play? okay there's more all right <laughs> okay <laughs> what do you, what else do you want to talk about there vice that is the 2018 film by adam mckay about dick cheney mm. and i learned there's a lot i did not know about dick cheney this is a really you know, adam mckay he has this kind of style in vice that he started in the big short and i think vice perfects that style i like the big short better just the way it was documentary educational entertaining kind of everything like it brought a lot of things together and did a great job of it vice is more just a biopic it's a lot a smaller simpler story and it's fascinating like yeah you should check it out but just as a movie big shorts better but this is it's just really fascinating the power dick cheney had how he engineered to get that power uh how what he did we still feel today like it still affects us the us being America today. It's a very interesting movie. It's very well done. And I think it was, there's some Churchill movie last year that Gary Oldman was in. And the whole movie, I just spent the whole movie like trying to see Gary Oldman under the makeup and prosthetics. And so in this movie, Christian Bale plays Dick Cheney. You would not assume Dick Cheney is like the person that would look like, uh, look like Dick Cheney. But in this movie, surprisingly, I didn't spend the whole time like looking at trying to like, where's Christian Bale in there? Like, what can I see him? Is I want to see him like kind of like poke out a little bit. No, nah, like I was immersed in this movie where I never really felt like that. Like it felt like I was watching Dick Cheney. Like the acting Bale does is just amazing. It's and it's entertaining. It's fun. It's intriguing. It's a neat movie. Cool. 
Uh, I watched Veep. Have you seen Veep? Do you like that one? I know Veep. I've never watched it because, you know, at the point I would have gotten into it, I think we were five seasons into Veep. And it's just, that's just a, that's a lot. Like, I know it's great. One day I want to watch it. But when I have to backtrack five seasons, that is, that's just a, that's a lot of time. It will fly by. Like, you will binge through these. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is hilarious. The cast is hilarious. Tony Hale plays her bag man. So he's always behind her, whispering into her ear little facts and giving her, like, hand wipes and lotions and teas and stuff like that. So he plays an emasculated man. Like, he does in basically everything. But it's fantastic. And this is, I believe this is their final season, which I am glad with i think they're gonna go out on a good note i kind of have an idea of where the show's gonna go um which i think is gonna be brilliant if they do Uh, but it's fun it's just a really nice show it's very well written it's a very smart comedy and i highly highly recommend it i've always heard good things about it and i just want to watch it but gosh there's just so much tv if you start you will be sucked in i believe you will be and that's that's the other half of that problem is I'm not sure I have time to be sucked in right now. What else do you got? If Beale Street Could Talk. This is by Barry Jenkins. He did Moonlight. Moonlight is a fantastic film. Beale Street is a fantastic film. It's just like the craft that Barry Jenkins makes his movies, the craft he infuses them with, like the emotion. like what Nothing even has to be said for stuff to be happening on screen with this story to unfold. It really is neat how he does that. And in this movie, everything works together to create this just very intimate emotional movie and what it is you've got um this it's set in the 70s a couple they are kind of like at the beginning of couplehood and he gets wrongfully arrested and charged with a crime due to a corrupt cop and uh it's just it's really neat how it explores this discrimination this abuse of power and it's all framed through this couple who they truly love each other that movie just you feel that through the movie you feel what these characters are going through and it's it's unlike a lot of movies. A lot of movies just can't reach this level of emotion. It's just well crafted, and it, it really it exemplifies what a movie cannot just say, but do. It's amazing. Wow, cool. All right, let's see. Oh, okay. So um, I watched Barry, which is on HBO as well. And it's about a hitman who kind of decides that he no longer wants to do that job. He wants to get out of it and become an actor. And I thoroughly enjoy this one as well. I think each episode works as kind of a standalone or, you know, if you want to get sucked into the series, you'll definitely get sucked in. It has really smart writing. I think it's I think it's Bill Hatter, but he um, he does a really good job. And you won't even think of him as like a leading man. But he really pulls it off. He does really well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I watched Have you all seen of season one? one, and I like it, but I can easily leave it. I don't. I feel like I'm missing what it is that draws people to this. Because, like, yeah, like it's it's well done. It's good. But if somebody told me, oh, you'll never get to see another episode, I'd be like, oh, that's good. I'll save me some time. Free up my Sundays. Could feel that way too. That doesn't mean I don't like it. And since you know it's on, I will watch it and enjoy it. Um, and it has a little bit more tension this time around. There's a little bit higher stakes. There's some murders, and the cops are on to him. So I think there's a little bit more invested, a little bit more character development. So I'll see how this season goes, and then decide if it's worth pursuing beyond here. 
But I think Bill Hader does a good job. I watched it originally because I was curious how he would do as sort of a more dramatic role. And I think he pulled it off really nicely. The Highwayman. Woody Harrelson, Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah, I've watched that too. Hunting down Bonnie and Clyde. And so, I mean, this is, it's one of those Netflix movies, and this is becoming more frequent where it's not just like, oh, yeah, that's okay for a Netflix movie. It's a legitimately good movie. It's something that, oh, this could have released in theaters. It is that good. It's, I fast forwarded through it. it. What did you not like about The Highwayman? Really? Honestly, I found it boring. The journey between these two old men, I really did not find it that compelling at all. Like, they took Bonnie and Clyde and they took the least exciting surrounding relationship and made a movie. Wow, I was crushing this movie. I thought this was a pretty good movie. <laughs> We've seen the Bonnie and Clyde thing. Like, I love how this movie never really shows them directly because it's not about them. It's about these guys who are kind of dinosaurs in a new world of cops and forensics and all these things, and they're. Yeah, they are blunt hammers trying to hit a nail and missing more times than they hit. I think there's a reason why a movie like this has never been made on these two guys, and it's probably because they can't carry. It's Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner. They could carry this movie very. They They could carry this movie up and down the hill. Look, they did great. I'm just saying the movie itself. It's not the greatest movie ever, but can can you not agree that? As far as movies go, this is a movie you could see being released in theaters? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's probably like movies that, that say, like, Uncle but Drew, again, right? I think we can both agree on that. I have waited. This is the last one, and I cannot wait. I've saved it to the end so I could share it with you. <laughs> Do you want to say anything else about your movie? No, no, I just, I'm waiting to, to uh, make fun of Uncle Drew. Can't wait. First of all... I get to see someone's butt in this movie, and it's been a while since I've Who's? seen a movie butt. <laughs> so <laughs> that alone, I got to see Shaq's butt. That which was that a probably took up the entire screen. Thank you. Shaq's a big guy. <laughs> it did. Let me read for people who don't know what I'm talking about. This is after draining his life savings to enter a team in the Rucker Classic Streetball Tournament in Harlem. Dax is dealt a series of unfortunate setbacks including losing his team to his longtime rival. Desperate to win the tournament and cash the prize, Dax stumbles upon the man, the myth, the legend, Uncle Drew, and convinces him to return to the court one more time. And he brings all of his old friends with him. This stars NBA All-Star Kyrie Irving, Shaq, Chris Webber, Reggie Miller, Nate Robinson, and Lisa Leslie. Listen, they... I can't believe I'm going to say this. They did a really good job <laughs> acting. <laughs> like, I have to hand it to them. Because I was really curious how all these basketball players were going to do in a movie. And they did really good. <laughs> like, and Nick Kroll, who I loved him in the league. And that, frankly, that's about it. Like, I think that was the best role he's ever done. But even he was really funny in this. And the person who played Dax, Lil Rel Howery, he was really funny too. So, okay, not the best movie really, in the world. Really, it's not the best movie right? I just want to get that but, on record. <laughs> not the best. But it was a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. And it got pretty high ratings. Like, it got a 63% on Rotten Tomato. That's well, higher that's just than the ridiculous. Meg. So... <laughs> 
you can't knock it. I know uh, I can, it. and I will. There was there was fun basketball sequences in there. Everyone had a fun time with their roles, and there was good comedy bits. I don't know. I enjoyed it. It even had a nice character arc. You know, you have a guy who comes face to face with his nemesis, and he has to save the day. I enjoyed it. So I mean, the point of the movie is that old people are valuable, right? As long as they're played uh, by much sure. younger we'll people that. pretending to be old. <laughs> I mean, Shaq was in it. I mean, he's an older gentleman. Can Shaq age? Isn't he? I don't think and Shaq ages. I think he's some kind of alien being. Probably. All right. That's what I. That's what I watched. Last I've got is <laughs> Valkyrie. This is the you know Tom Cruise plays a German man who's trying to assassinate Hitler from 2008. Have never had an interest in this movie. But I listen to a podcast where the guy interviews just different uh, film people, writers, you know, kind of not like stars, like the big time people, kind of the smaller name people. And he had Chris McCory on here. And this interview was from way back, like 2009 when the movie first came out. Chris McCory was the writer for Valkyrie. He's gone on to do a bunch of the, direct a bunch of the, uh, and write the Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise. Like they, they work together a lot. So just hearing McCory talk about this movie and what it, take, what it took to make it and like all the behind the scenes, like, cool. I never wanted to see this, but after hearing behind the scenes, I want to see how this movie turned out based on what he told me. So I watched it, and you know, it's uh, it's actually funny. Like I listened to this interview, and two days later, Netflix ha- just happened to get this on, so it was fortuitous, and it, it's neat. I mean, it's it's one of these things that they can do a lot because well, everybody knows Hitler, everybody knows Hitler's bad. Like the movie didn't have to explain. Well, this is why they want to assassinate him. Like we know that that's built in, and while I know they don't succeed. Like, to me, that helps the movie because you kind of think, well, you know, how does this unfold? Like, what goes wrong to where they don't? In this movie, it has great tension from the very start. Like, it's just, it's uneasy that, you know, they're on the verge of getting caught, which is true for a lot of these type movies. But you know what? I liked it. And and really what helps is is you know the villain. You know the story. You know why he has to be stopped. So it can really focus on them doing anything because it's also neat. Not all Nazis are bad. Like, we kind of grouped them all. That, oh, all of them were bad and evil and murderous. Well, no, there were some that weren't, but they were just kind of pinned in in this, you know, rock and a hard spot that, you know, if they, they say, oh, we're against Hitler, well, they're definitely going to die. So they try from the inside out to get him. And I think the biggest problem with this movie is that it's hard to watch this movie and see Tom Cruise playing a character. You just see Tom Cruise. And that's true for a lot of Tom Cruise's movies. In Mission Impossible, that works to his favor. In this it doesn't really work to his favor. I just, like, oh, yeah, there's Tom Cruise again. What's that crazy man up to? It just, it's hard to get past it, especially him playing a German soldier. It doesn't work. But, you know, it's not a bad movie. And one thing I really liked, and maybe not the best thing to say about this movie, but in the very beginning, maybe it's Tom Cruise, maybe it's a voice actor, but they're speaking German. They're, wa- they're walking somewhere. And slowly it fades from the person speaking German to Tom Cruise speaking English. And, you know, I mean, it's hard to do a sub movie. You know, people just don't like that. And so I like how they just, they fade from German to English. And like, boom, we're speaking English now. I thought that was just a very slick way to sidestep that whole question altogether. Yeah. No, and in the interview, McCory said, oh, he definitely nailed the German accent, but no one else could, so he didn't do it. And I don't know, I feel like <laughs> McCory's kind of like the Tom Cruise, uh, you know, hype man. Like, Tom Cruise can do anything. But he doesn't to not make other people feel bad. So I, I don't yeah. know. There's no accent here. McCory says he can. I don't know. But you know, in the Mission Impossible interviews, you hear McCory talk about Cruise. He really talks about Tom Cruise like he's some kind of superhuman, which he may be. We don't know. Science is out on that. 
Does he does he talk about Tom Cruise the way you talk about? Not Jason quite. Stephen? I think I think I'm a bigger Stephen fan than Corey's okay. Cruise fan. Uh, but it's just it's very okay. interesting, like all the behind the scenes stuff. And so the movie, I'm not upset. I watched it. It's not great, but it's not bad. I mean, it just I really feel like if Tom Cruise wasn't in it, it'd probably be better. It's just Tom Cruise is so larger than life. It's hard to overcome that. And this this kind of movie, you don't want that. Sure. Mission Impossible. Oh yeah, Tom Cruise is great. Like he's the man for it. You want him big in the movie, but in this, it just it doesn't work. But it's a well-done movie. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's all we got for what we've been watching this week. Ward, where can people find with you? With Wardworks. Online. Uh, I've got an Instagram. I've got a website. If you just type in with Wardworks in Google, there's a, probably an 80% chance you'll find me. And I'm willing to bet on that 80%. Okay. Okay. You can find me at Nico Bell Fiction on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find us at Box Office Refund on Twitter and Instagram. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Box. Office. Refund. Box Office Refund Podcast.